Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Oh, Hogan, your gravest challenge is drawing near. Oh, yes, the Survivor Series. The WWF Championship on the line against my undertaker. What are you going to do, Hulk Hogan? What are you going to do when they come for you? When the hearse backs up to the back door of the arena and they wheel you out? Oh, you know, Hulk the maniacs will be crying. Oh, yes. Hulk, the future is at hand. It's at the hand of the Undertaker. Prepare to meet your maker. This gentleman, this man, the Undertaker, absolutely frightening. Undoubtedly, this will be the gravest challenge ever for the immortal Hulk Hogan. Hello everyone and welcome to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Hello. Scott and here joined for our special first part in a three-part edition of our From the Vault series. Joined. Yes. Joined by Paul Brown. Hello. Hello. Yes, we will be going through our three-parter, which begins with the Survivor Series 1991, The Gravest Challenge. The Gravest Challenge, yes, that's the tagline for the show. It is part of a three-part little series that we're doing, like, kind of partly because, you know, 30 years since these shows yeah. happened, so it's kind of an anniversary thing. Although this might come out, might just pass December, so maybe a few days late. Sorry. And can we say, although... Like on this particular show, mm-hmm. there is some very interesting wrestling historical footnotes to bring up. Yes. And interesting Hulk Hogan chicanery to mention as well. Mm-hmm. The show itself was re- relatively poor. Yeah, uh, but also part of the reason we're doing it is because of the, the trajectory of the WWF Championship across three yeah, three yeah, shows. It became, it, it became very up in the air over the course of these three shows. I think three different people walk out with the title on each of these shows, which for the WWF at this time was really unheard of because they were fond of a long title reign, yeah, with yeah. a few exceptions here and there. Well, you had like you had your little mm-hmm. times, I mean, in that time period from, like say, 1990-91, you had... Warrior. Mm-hmm. Well, you had Hogan, you had yeah. Warrior, you had Slaughter. Yeah. You know. It, it seemed to be like the faces have long title reigns, heels are the shorter transitional reigns. Well, I think so. I think in regards to Warrior, I think he might have been, they might have put the title on him and then thought, ah, well, fuck, he's not going to do business, right? I mean, he went held that though from April to January, so it's still a, a long mm. reign and everything. It's a long reign, but I think we had a lot of like issue with his reign backstage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we already mentioned SummerSlam 91 a few times. I recently wa- I watched that for the first time a, f- a month or so ago. For the Is SSR that the one show. where he was fired when he walked through a curtain? Mm-hmm, that was you know, the match yeah. made in heaven, the match made in hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just something about that. Uh, I remember Piper once and he were on commentary. And said, up next, the match made in hell. And then Bobby Hume turns and goes, oh, the wedding's up next? <laughs> and, and Piper just shoots him like a death stare. <laughs> like, how dare you speak that way about match win Liz? Fucking Piper, how very dare you? Oh, hold me back, Munson, hold me back. <laughs> God, I must say, one thing, and I know it's well into the show, but... Well, two minutes. Uh, well, I mean the, the, the pay-per-view. pay-per-view. Sorry. But um, after the 
the title match. Yeah. Piper's interview is some mad shite, so it is. Between his match and uh, this interview, he must have put his face in a lot, lot, lot of cocaine, clearly. Yeah, yeah, he really what? must have. He really must have. A lot of what, what? can be described as 80s cocaine-style promos in the, in the 90s in a lot of these promos. Yeah, well, mind, apparently he was paid in coke at one show, so... <laughs> so... It's part of a three-part series we're doing this this Tuesday in Texas and a revisit of the Royal Rumble 1992 because we did which, do it which some years ago. Which out of the three of them is actually very good. See, this is, see, like, I was not... We're not starting on the best foot. Literally, watching the show, I thought to myself, oh, I may regret coming up with this idea. <laughs> and Paul isn't... I realise Paul isn't as big on it looking back on it, which I'm kind of happy because I was worried it was going to be a case of, oh, maybe... Because yeah, I'm a bit no. younger looking at it like, for the first time. I'm not a fan of it, whereas you... I'm very, I'm very fond of it in the sense of like I like the fact that it's the Undertaker's, you know. Yeah, historically, first title it's win. Good. historically, that very good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Historically, and for like I say, those very interesting little mm-hmm. footnotes. Mm-hmm. It's good for that. It's interesting for that. But as a stand, as a standout show, mm-hmm. it sucks. Yeah, it really does because the matches are very funny and mm-hmm. I th- I think the placing of matches personally is wrong. Yeah. You know, but oh yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, and we only have five matches on the pay per view. Yeah, in between it, there's a lot of hey. By the way, next week we've got another pay per view. So yeah. thank you for giving us your money. Give it, give it us again. Give yeah. us more and money. We've got, we've got quite. What one thing that did give me a warmness though? We did get a lot of Jack Tunney. Oh, Jack Tunney. <laughs> WWF President Jack Tunney. I was going to say about Jack Tunney. It's his catchphrase. It is my decision because that's what he seems to say before he makes. A proclamation or decides this is what's going to happen or announces this well, thing. If you remember, and I'll say also, I, I learned a little interesting thing. As you know, I watch interesting but occasionally morbid things on YouTube. As is your want. As is my way and want, you know. I watched the thing about a guy going to, you know, famous graves. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you watching a couple things. Not you. that one, but it was just a random guy yeah, that likes to one. go and he went to Jack Tunney's grave. Huh. And he said, as a young kid, he was really into wrestling. He mm. went, he went to WWF headquarters. Yeah. And he actually got to meet Jack Tunney, which he was really stoked about because mm. he was. He said he was a very pleasant man, very um. You know, he, although he had to keep kayfabe at the yeah. time, he was all he was still quite forthcoming with the boy and very pleasant to him and signed yeah. some things for him. And yeah, I don't know if Jack Tunney was he real name, but you know his actual job was in well, the WWF. He was kind of the head of the like their Canadian operations. Like he was ah. there uh, working in the office and that. Whenever they went across to Canada and everything, yeah. he was like public relations guy. He kind of, he was an office guy. So that kind of, he's not an on camera guy. But I think they got him on because they wanted a neutral kind of authority figure, which they wouldn't have again for a long time after likes of him and your monsoons. Because like yeah. he would leave in '85. Remember the time that monsoon came on his on screen present because I think well, allegedly there were there were some rumors that he was using WF funds to. Sort of has a uh, gambling debts oh. and everything, but allegedly nothing's really been yeah. proved. It's kind of an unceremonious exit, and no one really talks about him in the company. So after that, I mean, it's only just people like us that talk about him. In, yeah, well, in I, retrospect, I, I always had a, a, I always had time for Jack Tunney. I liked him. You I, know. I know you don't really watch a lot of NXT, but I remember when William Regal over the years as, as GM, he's pretty much been like a, a slightly more charismatic Jack Tunney, and that he only shows up when necessary. Like he comes out like. Here, made a, made a decision to make, or it shows up to yell, War Games! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Match time! <laughs> or that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But, 
But no, I always like Jack Tunney, and we see a lot of Jack Tunney in we this did. particular pay per view. Mm-hmm. Also, we see a lot of Mean Gene Okerlund. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scheme Gene. <laughs> but why don't we actually get into the show yeah, let's, itself? Let's why don't do we've it. got. So yeah, let, even let's start with Joe Lewis Arena. Yes, only five matches, but we've got a lot to cover here. Wednesday, the 27th of November, 1981. Now, we were thinking, oh, why not a Sunday? Because the whole thing was a Thanksgiving Eve tradition. Thanksgiving tradition is a, sun, a Thursday in America. Yeah, yeah. So this was on. This is why the following Friday after it's all the sale, that's Black Friday and everything. Yeah, yeah. And so traditionally, they wouldn't. And plus, like, even back in the 90s and 80s, where previews weren't always on a, a weekend, it was on, wasn't uncommon for them to be on a, like, a, a weekday. Yeah. Which is funny. Uh, yeah, Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan, not there anymore, but I think 2017. I was, I was about to ask you that. I, I was unsure about it was either not there or had it been renamed. I know it's not there anymore. I think it left in like 2017. Uh, 17,500 people in attendance and there was a whole list of type events on its Wikipedia that it hosted but the capacity for vacancy is between 19 and 21 so it was, it was reasonably filled reasonably obviously the gravest challenge is the tagline given the Hogan Taker match which I didn't realise was the this is the first ever not only the first ever WWE title match on a strategy but the first ever singles match in the Survivor Series history before then it was just Survivor Series match Survivor Series match Survivor yeah match. yeah after that, uh, and I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> the more you know, the more you know, indeed. A buy rate of three hundred thousand buys, uh, which is down from four hundred thousand, uh, the previous year's Survivor Series. Yeah. One moment, please. I'm getting something up here to just to confirm your yeah. confirm your yeah. stats. Well, uh, it's kind of a comparison kind of thing. Uh, it's even down from uh, SummerSlam, which is also the match made in heaven, match made in hell. Yeah. So it's 405,000 buys. Mm. So, so, like, we're getting in, this is the tail end of the Hulkamania era. Yeah, the, the golden era, as mm-hmm. we say. I think late 92, uh, going into 93 is when they began officially the, uh, the what they call the new generation. And also a lot of people have said about, you know, the decline in business. It's not a, we're not in a, we're not beginning a, like a, a media, like, yeah, decline, but it's a slow process. The ninety two and ninety three. The new gen era kind of lasted for like mm-hmm. late ninety two and very early ninety six. I think it's like we see certain people leaving because some people have already left before this show. But like the buy rate numbers we go through them from late ninety one and ninety two and ninety three, you can slowly but surely see them yeah, going down. Slowly, slowly but surely, little dripping down. Yeah, so it's like that's the buy rate for the show. There was a dark match of Kato of the Orient Express losing a 7 minute and 44 second dark match to Chris Chavez. Anyone who has a guess to who Chris Chavez is? Ah, uh, go on, tell me. Tatanka. The future Tatanka. The future Tatanka beat Kato. In a dark match on this show, which is a... Uh, Quite interesting. I Chica him to beat Kato, man. Kato was a well better wrestler. <laughs> oh. that, that fucking tomahawk wielding tit. <laughs> anyway, we got a uh, girl. even beat Lex Luger for fuck's sake. We got Gorilla Monson and Bobby Heenan on commentary. And Evan says, kick off, welcome to a preview to the going. Throwing you immediately to a recap. Yeah. <laughs> Re- the recap of the. Uh, the King Cobra attack on Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes, which happened on the previous weekend's edition of Superstars, uh, which would when well, that would have aired, it would have probably been a taping a few weeks prior to I, that. I must say, though, seeing that recap, mm-hmm. that's the best I've ever seen Jake Roberts look. <laughs> like, just general, physically built. Mm-hmm. That's the best I've ever seen him look. Do you know, apparently, the actual filming of it took longer than what, what, what you see. It's apparently heavily edited down because... 
this Nate at first was hesitant to go near Maxman. It wasn't going they wanted, so Jake had to like rile up. He was actually hitting yeah. the snake and everything, trying to get angry. <sighs> and then, unfortunately, that backfired because as soon as it like, locked its jaws in a match was arm, it wasn't too keen on letting go. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and uh, I showed you a little video from uh, the Macho Man and Les episode of Dark Side of the Ring where Jake Roberts talks about it and does a very spot-on <laughs> Macho Man impression. Everyone has a Macho impression, but Jake's... But no, Jake, Jake's was pristine, man. And I think it helps because not <laughs> years, his, his voice is very gravelly, very grizzled all the time. Like, basically, also, so they, they try and claim Keith Abel. He claimed it was Deep Enemies, but maybe it wasn't because Macho Man feels very sick afterwards and... Uh, Really, it was obviously yeah. devenomized it though. Yeah. As Zeke Roberts said in the interview for Dr. it's a fucking cobra, and of course it's been. <laughs> and apparently of course Mac- it's been devenomized, you stupid. Because <laughs> uh, apparently, Macho, as he, as was he was, he was very paranoid about all the things. So he was a bit paranoid about having this snake potentially bite him. Yeah. Like, oh, has it been, has it been fixed? Like, yeah, don't, don't you try one. Jake can do it, we can't. Uh, I like. Uh, I think I do it for these. These are not as good as Jake. I never say that, but you well, know. I I tried it before the show and sounded like fucking big boss man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm just thinking of a uh, of Macho Man delivering a boss man still promo, but you know. Just uh, I'm just thinking of fucking boss man and his promo with the knights digging pointing. <laughs> You'll be doing a hard time. Tell him, Hawk. <laughs> but uh, bossy Macho basically he he had Jake. Get, have himself get bit by the snake first to prove that it wasn't the yeah. when Jake was obviously hesitant about it then Matt was paranoid oh well you don't you want me to get bit but you don't want you to get bit that tells me it hasn't been fixed and so Jake dropped these kicks and let the like, snake bite his leg and he sits there for 20 minutes probably in quite a bit of pain for uh, a snake bite of course and, uh, you know it's like as much as they don't take no antidote no serum no nothing and he sits there and goes well I guess, I guess it's alright and he goes like how do you feel like well pretty pissed off as you would be, because you've just been bitten by a snake. But, no, do you know what pissed me off most about that? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Yeah, her screaming was uh, a bit much. It wasn't just the fact that it was obviously fucking fake. Uh-huh. I swear to God, man, fucking... I'm not going to do it, because I don't want to annoy myself. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know when you hear someone make a screeching noise, and you're like, for the love of God, shut up! <laughs> You know, like Roddy was there, like Roddy fucking skate hood or something. <laughs> Christ. So also they put Macho on the uh, on the stretcher, they wheel him out, and then we see the decision from Jack Tunney to reinstate Macho because obviously earlier in the year, Mania Seven, he'd lost the retirement yeah, match to Warrior yeah. when Apparently, he was still a heel. Yeah, and Macho did, <laughs> and for a while, consider retiring because he and Liz wanted to try and repair their relationship at home. Yeah. Which unfortunately, the following year they would divorce, so it didn't end up. Working yeah. out as they would have hoped, but and you know, they need to say to come back. So, I say, you know, even though it's annoying that Macho made all these pitches in '94 and that to wrestle, which Vince apparently passed on like a feed by Michaels, you can, it feels like in a way, maybe Vince, considering what happened, anyone thought he was doing what Matt was best for Macho, where he thought Macho might have wanted, but yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking another side of it, but yeah, Jack Tony reinstates Macho, uh, and says that. <laughs> They won't fight at the earliest possible opportunity, which isn't this pay-per-view that you're watching now. No, it'll be in a week's time for another beauty that you have to give us your money for. Yeah, for a list Tuesday in Texas. Uh, you know, they mentioned it a few, t- only a few times only on the show. Only a few, when like maybe uh, twice every opportunity got after every match. I just hope, after all the times they mentioned it, they'd tell us what day it was on and where it was taking place. That Tuesday in Texas. You don't say they never mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> but then... 
what was annoying, and I was going to wait till later, but I'll talk about it now. It was meant to be uh, Sid captain oh. the team at the in the main event against uh, the other team that we see, but with Jake Roberts on it. Yeah, it said had an elbow injury. I don't know how legit it was. Mm. Or not, but anyway, it was. I'd have been bitching to see Sid. But anyway, Sid was taken out in match all as part of the story. He was campaigning to take his place and then he runs off out of Jake after the whole you know, wedding yeah. incident and everything with the cobra in the box. Um, and then they do this neat bait so they take Jake out so it's now a three-on-three like... Yeah, I, I, know, I know. I mean, why did you have to take Jake out? You could, you could have put match all in and, and carried it over, had them both get each other carrying out and carried it over to this Tuesday. You could have. That would have made it a lot better, but there you go. And, and what did we end up getting? Three on three elementary match for the main event. Yeah, I mean we'll get to we'll get to that. But oh, do you know what the uh, the snake the new King Cobra that uh, Jake came out with was called? I do tell. Uh, Lucifer. Awesome. Because also he had Damien, but Damien Keefe was killed by uh, by earthquake. earthquake. I must say, though, seeing that image, <laughs> the one really, really, really fucking cool thing. About that rehash showing mm. you the snake attacking Macho and all that. See when they were wheeling the silly bastard out on the stretcher mm. and Roddy Piper was acting like a fud and she was screeching and all mm. that crap. See when Jake's just sitting in that corner like that mm. and the snake is sitting right in front of him like it's fucking guarding him. <laughs> I just thought, my God, he is so cool. Yeah, heel Jake is his best Jake. Ah, oh, heel Jake is the coolest motherfucker on the planet, man. <laughs> And that Jake, where he actually looked like he could kick some arse at that point, like you're just sitting there, like in the corner with the, the glove on, the snake sitting in front of him, like the two of them are just sitting looking. Yeah, going. It's a shame he left after Mania because I think, I mean, some people have, quite, have thought theorized that maybe when Brett became champion, he, they would have probably put Jake in a position to be a challenger because he was one of the more long term credible people that they had on. Mm. They didn't really get told you. I think he was. The tease before SummerSlam, this build up between I think between him and Warrior, where he was kind of like saying he started the whole thing with Warrior, trust me, and he was trying to give him the the ways to you know act think like a snake. This is how you can beat the Undertaker. Yeah, it was, it was the Warrior's fault he didn't get a run. Yeah, and then he also that ended up with him tricking the the uh, the Warrior by locking him in a room with snakes while he and Taker and Ware watched on. Because uh, so, like it was a weird team at the time, just this random pairing of Taker and Jake Roberts. Mm. Uh, but yeah, after SummerSlam, they were meant to go into a few, which had then led on to a, a title programme for, for Jake Roberts. But discovering the Warriors start side of the ring, the Warrior gets his bend to kind of put the kibosh on that, which really annoyed Jake, and rightfully so. Yeah, well, I would annoy, I would think it would have annoyed lots of Jake's fans and all. Yeah. Uh, also, Jack Tony said, no more reptiles at ringside, so no more bringing the snake with them in the book for Jake the Snake. Yeah. Also, it was, I know we'll move on for in a second, but really when you think about this being, you know, the golden era, you know, WWF and everything, very, very kid-friendly, a lot of young children in the crowd as we see through the show. Yeah, we're all crying. I was going to say, this is, like, probably very violent and very scary for the time. This is the more, this is the most non-PG thing up until this point they would have done in the PG era. Yeah. Which is, which, I think maybe they were doing it for a shot value to really build up, Jake, is that, oh, you're a, you're a, you're a bad genius. I liked him. <laughs> yeah. I know you did. I really, I was, I was happy to see Macho suffer. I was just annoyed to hear his silly bitch fucking <laughs> squeal. But then also we got Matt, we got Monson and he's in classic, you know, era team uh, commentary. Yeah. Uh, and so we go to our opening Survivor Series match, four on four. At the, in this time, we have the team of Brett the Hitman Hart, the current Intercontinental Champion, Cockbag, 
uh, Roddy Ruddy Piper. Mental Case. Bulldog. Cockbag. And Virgil. Cockbag? Yes. <laughs> Uh, taking on the team of the Warlord Awesome The Mountie Awesome uh, Ted DiBiase Awesome And the real world champion Ric Flair Do you do you know an interesting we, thing? A weird time to be talking about Flair I grant you But we're just talking about the theatre of Flair Hey I don't care about his personal life I talk about his wrestling life And mm. I like the man Yeah but do you know an interesting thing? You know that real world title belt? I think I know what you're going to tell yeah, me. Yeah, when he holds it up and mm-hmm. it's all blacked out, that was actually a tag title belt. Mm-hmm. Not the real world title belt as he was prone to carry. Which must have been fucking odd for the people in the actual crowd. Like, on TV, you're, you're probably, oh, you probably think it is the world yeah. title. Even though when he turns to the back, on the back of one of the straps, you can clearly see a WWF logo on it. Yeah, yeah. But if you're in the line, you're like, I use Flair prancing around with a tag title belt. When did he win the tag title? Who's his tag partner? <laughs> but no, it was a tag title belt, and there was no real explanation as to why it was a tag title belt, and I don't think. Well, they didn't want you to know it was a tag title belt unless you were there live, because I'm going to give you some information about Ric Flair coming in, if you don't mind. No, no, go, go to it. So, obviously, I think it's been you know well known at this point, well documented, the, uh, the, le- the split from WCW 91 of Ric Flair after Jim Heard said in 91 that Ric Flair was no longer a draw and wanted to take the world title off him, mm. slash his pay, and uh, give him the gimmick of Spartacus, which required him to cut his hair. I should also mention Jim Hurd's main business expertise before taking over WCW was manager of a pizza hut. Wow. Yeah. When you think If you think uh, bloody Eric Bischoff killed WCW, he's still better than bloody Jim Hurd. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't fuck with fucking Ric Flair. Yeah. Uh, obviously Flair went absolutely fucking not and this is a weird thing where they had the big gold belt right and it was both the WCW title but also still the NWA belt they weren't mm. using the classic NWA belt and it's in a tradition that every man who goes on to win the NWA championship puts up I think it's either $2,500 or $25,000 advance thing which then is giving back to you when you drop the belt yeah. I think it's kind of a, to ensure that the guys don't try anything funny when they're going to Win the belt or anything, like yeah. otherwise they don't get their money. So it's a good incentive to behave. Mm-hmm. And so, because he wants them to lose, he wanted out, of it, and he went, "Well, we want you to drop the belt." And they're like, "All right, then, give me my, give me my twenty five thousand dollars, please." And yeah. he wouldn't give it to him. And weirdly, like he leaves like in July, but even up to September, when I think he's makes his first appearance in the WWF, he's no longer recognised as WCW champion, but technically recognised by the NWA as their champion, mm. which was really weird. I think. At the Great American Bash in July night, when he was meant to drop the WCW Championship to Lex Luger, which can, which you know, if you thought his bad luck of Lex Luger and title matches began at SummerSlam '93, mm. you would be mistaken, because I think it was a part of a long story where Luger had been in the horseman, he'd left, and then there was a series of matches where eventually now he's going to finally top work Flair, and they want Luger to be the guy the in WCW. Then uh, Flair would leave. They would bring in that weird, ugly-looking early '90s version of the WCW title. Yeah. Uh, which eventually in '94, when Flair came back, the world, the big gold belt was called the WCW International Belt, and before Hogan came in, they do a unification match where officially the big gold belt's the main belt again. Yeah. Uh, the NWA belt was the one that Shamrock won in. Yeah, but, well, TNA, but they right? weren't using that. They were using the the big gold belt. But eventually, yeah. when WCW started using it again, they go back to their old. But yeah. they, they'd have it by like '94 because that's the belt that uh, you know. Uh, Shane Douglas wins and throws down famously at ECW. Yeah. So, obviously, Luger still wins the, this, this new version of the belt, but uh, he fights Barry Windham, who's kind of a last-minute person. I think Windham would have been in the Horseman, 
And this is actually historically the first example of fans hijacking a show because they had a cage match as the main event of the uh, the Great American Bash, and the whole time as Luger's maybe having his the matches maybe his crying moment, the crowd are chanting, "We want Flair." Yeah, <laughs> you know, him who's no a draw, and then leading into SummerSlam, I think SummerSlam may have been the first thing because I know he didn't done it, but because uh, he went to Hogan's locker room with it, Hogan was going around with the WCW the actual belt. So the real world champion was coming to compare this belt to the belt that Hulk Hogan carries, or to compare the man who holds this belt to Hulk Hogan, who like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Yeah. <laughs> and like he tries to go to Hogan's door, locker room, and SummerSlam, but he shuts, slams the door on him, and Flair arrives. The September 9th episode of uh, Primetime Wrestling, and then uh, eventually they get a replica and give the belt back, and they pixelate it because like, oh, they don't want that belt. Maybe even when using a replica and pixelating it. The NW were still kicking up a fuss about it, mm. so that's why they brought in this tag team bill. Ah, well, basically to save themselves any legal headache because any uh, legal snafu. Because they were a couple of years or so, a year or so away from beginning the stuff for the steroid trial. Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this might have been when the time where Hogan went on our student hall and went, "I have only taken steroids when created to by a doctor. I never abused steroids." Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was not Hogan's nose going. So that tell. that wasn't what you were doing when you were. Taking your vitamins, vitamins, yes, and saying your prayers. Me, <laughs> just me, but I feel it feels so weird to have DiBiase and Flair on the same team because the role of DiBiase hasn't given kind of in the heel side of the WWE feels like the the kind of spot you should be putting Flair in. So having two guys mm. of that kind of stature That's in the true, same kind of role, because I think it actually DiBiase always flirted between tag guy and you know. I think this firmly, I think this firmly pushes Diviase down a few pegs because you know for through ninety two and ninety three by the time Flair leaves, he is firmly a tag guy with IRS. But he is a very, he's a solid tag guy mm-hmm. with IRS up until he has to retire because it was yeah. his back, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But up until he has to retire, I mean his last match I think was against Ramon, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been. I think he in the day, I think he may have had a few matches in Japan before officially calling it quits because he. Be, could be back by the Rumble of Fall and you'd be a commentator slash manager. Yeah, but his last match for WWF 93, I think, was against Ramon. At yeah. Summer that Summer Slum? Yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah, but he had, I think, uh, I think if he hadn't had the back issues, well, I think that Money Inc. would have probably helped the tag belts a bit mm-hmm. longer. Because yeah. they had a whole thing going between them and the Steiners at the time. Yeah. You know? And so, there you go. This is our four on four match here. And this match, <sighs> God, it, it drags in, in points, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, I mean, there's all this. You see the entrances coming on, yeah. and they make a big hoo ha. But oh, look, the million dollar belts back where it belongs. And oh like, yeah, do you know? Because you know, even though you know the win over DBS for the belt at some of maybe a big moment for Virgil, yeah, I think you realise like, ah, oh, other than that, we don't really know what to do, Virgil. You're quite bland, you. Yeah, you're so, like you're like perky little black dude in the stripy tights. A couple of weeks before this, they had the newly repackaged Barry Darso, formerly smashed, now the Repo Man, basically stole the belt back and gave it back to DBS. It's so now yeah. the million. The million dollar belt back with the million dollar man right really where it should be. Yeah, not on Virgil, because let's be honest, Virgil sucked. Yeah, still got a bit of a pop though when he was in this match. So. Oh yeah, he was still fresh off his face turn, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. You know, so and you know back in that era, like whenever a heel went and turned into a good guy, you're like, ah oh, cool, we can like them now. Yeah. I think at this point Piper is technically kind of feeding with Flair uh, in the kind of the meantime before they built it. I think at this point the plan is still 
Hogan Flair WrestleMania eight, but that would obviously well, change. Remember, we had we had separate feuds going on here because Brett had issue with Lamounty, mm-hmm. uh, Flair <laughs> had issue with Piper, mm-hmm. and Bulldog had issue with drugs. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm laughing because you're like, oh, he has issues with Lamounty, and we know what happens with that regarding the IC title. But Brett defends the IC title on this Tuesday and takes only a week after this, right against Mountie. I'm not going to tell you who it is because it's you deserve to see who it fucking is on when we review this Tuesday in Texas. Okay, okay, but you know the only the only nothing in that match was Virgil. Pretty much, yeah. you know. I mean, you say what the fuck you want about the mountain. I love the mountain. I, I love, love the mountain as love, well. But you know what? <laughs> At least he won a legitimate title. You know. It's funny because... He won two, actually, because he's a three-time tag champ, isn't he? Yeah, the Quebecers. Yeah. Three-time tag champ is Quebecers and he's an IC champ for about two seconds. He was only supposed to be a two-time, I think, but they had a third reign because bloody Mabel fell on him at a house show and they made a mission accidentally won the belts. Hmm. Ah, Mabel, what are you like? Nah. <laughs> Falling on people. Oh, come on. That's Viscera you're talking about. I know, I like Viscera. Kinda. Do you do you remember Sir Mo? Yes. <laughs> Mo. 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 <laughs> Sir Mo. <laughs> Someone comes into a match. Must kill Mo. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> See, talking about Mo and that is much more interesting in this match because you know it basically the in case everybody gets a bit of a goal with everybody and everybody. the only one I think that gets legitimately pinned is Bulldog. Is it no? Well, not really, because like the two, the only two people who legit get pinned here, but it's not by the guy who was actually legal. Oh no, I bulldog gets pinned by in... Flair, who wasn't legal. I think it was the Mountie because he hits Mountie with a slam, and then Flair comes in from behind with a, a weird like chop or yeah. knee thing, and then eliminates him, and then the faces do it the same back to the Warlord. Oh, was it more? Ah, oh. like the two powerhouses are are eliminated with the weakest yeah. looking moves. Yeah, and, and pinned by the illegal guys. Warlord was well bigger than Bulldog. Oh, he was a beast. <laughs> I think. How come he never won a bloody title? Well, I think he had to. He the ones that had to kind of uh, disappear when about the steroid trail thing. You know. I don't care. He was awesome. Like there was the story of Shawn Michaels being asked hey, in the locker room, "Can you help?" Looks a war Louise steroid injections out to eject and tease out. He was still roided up, the, the injection wouldn't go in. Jeez. <laughs> and, and Sean apparently went to him, I think you've had enough. <laughs> you know, when Sean Michaels is telling you, I think you've had enough, you've had enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like those are the only two that really legit get like eliminated, and there's quite a bit of a gap between because it's just, oh, someone comes in, get a right. bit by the feet, you'll, then if somebody gets a hot tag, they, they get the mix with one, and then that person tags out. The most interesting part of that match, I think, is when Piper get tagged in and started going ape shit on Flair with the whole, like, Argh! yeah. He was like, fucking scrappy, dude. They're like, let me at him, let me at him. It's a shame though that Piper and Flair in this weird mini feud that they have never really get a real, like, pay per view. Match against like each a other. Off or something. Yeah. No, no, that, that Cause, sucks. Because Piper's then, well, motioned into the IC scene briefly and lead up to WrestleMania 8. Yeah. But I do love a moment. I think he's in there with Bulldog, it's him and Flair, and he's getting worked over, and Flair brings up the road. He's wandering towards the, the face corner, and like Piper's kind of reeling back to get ready to punch him. Before he can, Flair just says he's flopped, just, yeah. <laughs> just falls right in. And Flair was accused by many, like, criticised in some regards for being too given as a heel, but. I think it helped in most cases. And this this example, this album I'm going to mention, I think you can see why maybe he shouldn't have been as given as it was. Because the moment where he did his classic flair beg off, he does it for Virgil. 
Mm. Like, you're Ric Flair, you should not be begging off for Virgil. Even if you are trying to fake him out and lure him in, like, it's Virgil. Yeah, he signs autographs in train stations. <laughs> he take, he asks somebody for a photo, they take it, and then he charges them. $25, I think, mm-hmm. wasn't it? I think so, something like that. Yeah, he's a very, he's a very sad and lonely man. <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned it's Brett that hits the elbow with the bag of the warlord ah. and the paper that pins him. I've had a fucking phone and I've made the notes on autocorrect, it just says Bert elbows. <laughs> Bert Hart. <laughs> <laughs> the hitman Bert. Uh, it's the point where like, geez, this is going on quite a bit. You know, we've got other matches to get to. That would have been awful if he was called Bert. Bert, <laughs> Bert hitman Hart. <laughs> Uh, so there's a one Flair is a legal man he's, he's Irish and he goes tumbling over the outside and everyone piles in the ring everybody's fighting each other and so the referee just decides ah fuck it everybody but uh, Flair is disqualified Flair wins heels win Flair is the sole survivor I was happy about that at least the match sucked dick but at least Flair won 22 minutes 48 seconds this win and about maybe 5 to 7 minutes of it was a legit match yeah this this was not a good start to yeah. the show. I mean, I know there are a lot of people who who clamor for like to not be the brand thing for strategies and come back to the traditional things. Yeah. But that sometimes that whole let's throw a bunch of guys in our opposite teams does not always work out right because look at the talent on each side. This should have been a lot better than it was. Oh, but, definitely. But like, and no offense, uh, no, I get why. Like, there's a lot of top names you maybe you don't want them to lose cleanly. And all that, because that was a big thing. Oh, DQ, count-out, so elimination from a survivor, so so-and-so doesn't job and everything. But, like, a whole, like, DQ, everybody gets DQ except for Flair. Like, you got Virgil in the Mountie lift. Why are you trying to protect Virgil in the Mountie here? Mm. They can legit get eliminated. No, fair enough, you want to protect your IC champion and no, all that. But Virgil can get legit eliminated, but like I say, the Mountie, Jacques Rougeau, he was... Uh... He was a legit guy, him. Mm-hmm. You know, legit guy. You know, he, he talks the stories about how he also fucked a uh, dynamite kid in the face, you know, he knocked out a quarters. Well, mm-hmm. was that no dynamite saying fucking fault? Uh, he started it. Yeah, he but... started it, so fuck him. I can't, <laughs> I, you know, anytime I hear stories about the dynamite kid, I feel no pity for him because I heard he was a complete cunt anyway. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, then we get Mean Gene Okerlund in the first of, oh hey, did you hear? We've got a pay-per-view next week. <laughs> <laughs> Where he brings out Macho Man Randy Savage in a big blistering yellow, no, no yellow, green and purple yeah, green thing. purple tassel-y thing. I'm trying to think what I can compare him to, but I can't think of it. He's like the rocker's daddy. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. There you go, yeah. He comes out Considering what the Rockers come out in in their match, I don't think I'm too wrong. He's talking about and he talks about how he suffered and how much pain he was in to the snake bite and everything was over. But the worst thing of all was hearing Elizabeth cry. Yeah, that was terrible hearing that. It was worse. It was wor- it was worse thing for us as well because you wouldn't shut up. Yes. Ah! <laughs> ah! Ah! like you stepped on a cat. <laughs> Well, that's what she sounded like. She sounded like a stood-on cat. <laughs> and then obviously, he's talking about how he's going to get Jake Roberts and everything, and uh, he, got, he brings it, he talks, asks about how Elizabeth can feel, what's Elizabeth's stance on this, goes, why don't you screw yourself? Oh, God, this is cringeworthy. What, my impression? No, Elizabeth, <laughs> when she does it, you're like, Elizabeth, do you feel good about it? And she's like, oh, yeah. And you're like, no, hey, no. Just no. You know, they say opposites attract, so 
It's weird how this relationship lasted for as long as it, you know, it did. Well, a, to a paranoid psycho dating a mouse. Basically, a very quiet, timid woman and an over-the-top maniac. Yeah. A paranoid, muscle-bound psycho dating an annoying wee mouse. <laughs> like, I do love how he's like, oh, why don't you ask what Elizabeth's position as match is yourself? And brings out, like, what the fuck are you expecting her to see? Like, she's hardly going to go side with Jake Roberts, is she? Oh, I don't think he's got a chance. No, nah, he's not going to win it. Uh, match, so I don't think you've got it in you, pal. And then he goes like, "I'm good," and she goes, "I'm going to be here this Tuesday in Texas." Uh, well, we Tuesday. get it. It's going to be in Texas on Tuesday. Jesus, like this is the first time they properly experiment outside the Big Four mm. and everything. I don't know why they say to do it so close after like only a week later, but because, because it's new and because it's stupid. Yeah, but I think WCW had already started the whole experiment with a uh, like month semi monthly previews because they had four between four and six or something like that. In their calendar room at this time, so they were trying Send to me. <laughs> to screw up, man. Ha ha ha! Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we transition for that into this next match, but we've got basically this is lower mid card central here. This is bottom of the card. Fair here, all these people getting tailed, piled in. I mean, they've all got recognisable gimmicks. Well, tell me who is in this match again. But they all, uh, they're all like. I only just finished watching it before you got here, but that's how much I remember it. You got Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, uh, the new face, please forgive me, from Siding Against America, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, that old bald man with a tash. The period de- debut of El Matador, Tito, Tito Santana. I like Tito. Yes, watch out, because Tito's about. <laughs> watch out, Tito's, Tito's about. about. Do, do, do. Watch out. And uh, <laughs> the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Eric. I, I want to say he's here for this, the Rumble. Is he on Mania 8? Because I, I think he's gone by... <clears throat> I believe you might be thinking, because uh, the only one from that match that... Like, I believe is on the WrestleMania is Tito because Tito wrestles Sean. I'm sure. Yes, in the opener, I, th- I think you may be maybe right there, but because uh, like I think at one point the text tornado after Hogan left and uh, when there's a at one point a plan for Hogan to fight uh, Pavo Shango at SummerSlam '92, they said okay, how about Pavo Pavo Shango versus uh, Texas Tornado, mm. and then that got yeah. <laughs> Again, taking on the heel team of uh, Colonel Mustafa, a.k.a. a rebranded Iron Sheik, doing, along with Daryl Annan doing the whole... We'll, we'll look like the bloody them and the Bushwhackers. The Bushwhackers, what? Gen- General Adnan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, Colonel Mustafa, Hercules... Uh, mighty Hercules. Mm-hmm, with big chains, uh, Skinner. I like Skinner. The Alligator Man, and the Berserker. <laughs> a fuss. Uh, I forgot the Berserker was on this. I, know, I think he'd be on 92 Rumble, but I didn't think he'd be on this. So, Coming out like a low-level Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Season 1 baddie. Former world champion. Uh-huh. He's Tashi Lackey. <laughs> Midcard. <laughs> and Skinner. Uh-huh. And, oh my Christ, it's John Nord. I mean, he, he used to win his matches by carrying, he just grabbed his opponents, throw them on the outside and win by carrying out. And remember, Skinner what portrayed Doink. Yeah, briefly, I think he was he was the fake Doink in the old Mirror Spot Mania 9. Yeah. I think he had, he had a long like run, because like, after Matt Bonnet's uh, Rhea Apollo that plays him, 
Yeah. But I think every so often, like on the odd appearance, he'd appear as uh, as Doink. But also, he would actually go on as a trainer. Like back in the FCW days, he was the main trainer. Down Skinner there. was, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, Steve Kern is his real name. Oh, cool, cool. Mm. I just, I, I think, depend, seeing if he'd have been in a later era mm-hmm. and the character had been more serious, uh-huh. Skinner would have been really it, cool. It's very, you know, like, he's not around that long, which is weird because they're going to go into the new chain era where everybody has to have some sort of gimmick. Well, he's around long enough to have had an action file. Yeah, well, there is that. But it's weird because he, he had apparently a gimmick back in the territories or in the AWE with uh, Stan Lean where they were these, these blonde pretty boys called the Fabulous Ones or whatever. And now here he is, this big chew spitting alligator man. Yeah, well, a chew runs in his beard and shit. He teased a feud on TV between him and Ricky Steamboat, who was now back as the dragon. But Dragon's gone by this pay-per-view start. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure at one point there might have been a plan for him to be on Duggan's team. Then he got replaced with think El Matador yeah. and the next slaughter may have been replacing uh, Jim Nyhart who got taken out by some heels yeah he got taken out by the uh, Nasties or Flair or something, something like that shit. and uh, he was on slaughter was on TV basically all crying like going to US points like I want my country back because apparently because that's the way in the WF you support you a country that isn't America boo you okay I love America again alright come back then that's how it works and that's, and that's why they paired him with a uh, with Hacksaw because there were some fans I think at points that were still booing him but I think oh if Hacksaw trust him you can trust him he's a, him a, he's a good guy he's a metal stick wielding America loving psycho he'll be fine <laughs> and oh, like, just a quick I know he was probably never a chance in hell that he actually <laughs> listens to our show but shout out to Duggan and I hope he's recovering oh, yeah. well through his health thing last I heard I think oh. he was, last, last I heard he was on the uh the men, I think, oh, but, but you know, but he's thing. not technically out of the woods, but he's doing better than he was, you know. But we all know Hacksaw Doug Duggan, he's a tough guy. Yeah, shout out to King Duggan, I met you, cool guy. <laughs> yeah, even signed my fucking SummerSlam, King Duggan. <laughs> but can I, can I talk about the Berserker for a second? Yes, you can. What a puss. What an absolute comedy job this man is portrayed as here. <laughs> what an absolute fud. Leave him alone. Did you see his fuzzy boots? <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, he's a season one vil- monster of the week from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with his wee helmet and his wee sword. <laughs> what do you say? Like, his wee helmet and his, his wee, wee sword? sword. <laughs> I think he's maybe like a child-friendly tribute to Bruiser Brody, I think. <sighs> That's no tribute to Bruiser, Bruiser Brody. I know. I mean, I've, I don't know a lot about Bruiser Brody, but I've seen him. Yeah. Well, that ain't no tribute to Bruiser Brody, man. That guy was legit. The one funny thing that, one thing I did like of the Berserker they did here, you think he got kicked in the leg by Slaughter and he just jumps and does a split. Right. <laughs> he did the splits for no reason. <laughs> then you got Colonel Mustafa. Great hair, <laughs> You got, like, Colonel uh, Mustafa getting into it with, uh, with Duggan with his wee pointy Keebler Elf shoes or whatever the fuck these were meant to be <laughs> like literally at one point he, he grabs on he puts the pointy bit right into the face of Duggan I know I know oh Jesus How, I mean Sheik was on a steady decline when he was a tag champ but Jesus looking here no wonder he couldn't get eliminated at Mania X7 he see him stumbling around the bloody ring Aye. he takes the weakest of like what is that, a clothesline or something that he gets and then gets pinned by Duggan? Like, he's the first out of there. See, he's still, he's, to look at him... Or I think it's Slaughter that eliminates yeah, him. To but look I, at him, he still looks like he could go, mm-hmm. but when you see him move... No. Mm. No. He used up all his energy bushwhacking in it to the ring. I know, I think he was doing the thing with his arm so you wouldn't 
notice how much you wouldn't look down and see how much difficulty you had with having walking. <laughs> but no, it was slaughter comes in, he hits the atomic drop, and then clothesline. Like, like, look, I pinned the guy I was associated with briefly. Look, trust me, you can trust me. Trust me, I'm American, honest. <laughs> uh, and then, like, I only noted in really the elimination because that's really the only noteworthy thing because the yeah. heels get like a, a squash because like oh the heel team won now we have to have the face team win and, yeah yeah and the, the heel the face is like pitch the shit out here uh, where Hercules getting eliminated by a flying forearm to the back of the head from Tito it's this weird random transitional move that wouldn't help you in any other match yeah, but yeah. it's a survivor series so we gotta get people out of there get it done quick mm-hmm. you know Beat Hercules with a nothing move that he would probably usually kill somebody for. Uh, ro- Skinner gets eliminated by Slaughter again with a, with a roll-up. And uh, there's a point where Berserker comes in. Like, not even not even Tito gets eliminated. I thought Tito was probably going to get eliminated from the face team at least. But no, I thought it would have came down to like, Slaughter and uh, Duggan on the face team. You know, again, showing he can trust Slaughter. But at one point, Berserker is on his own. And I think the buckle accidentally got exposed because they never really talk about it on yeah. commentary. But you got a uh, slaughter grabbing Berserker's head, slamming him, and uh, they just goes buckle. And Berserker's buddy not selling it. <laughs> and then there's one point where like they like an Irish whip into like a weird like clothesline and a Duggan. I think Duggan eliminates him despite the fact Slaughter was the legal man. So again, non-legal people win, but who gives a fuck? Is a clean sweep for the faces. Fourteen minutes and nineteen seconds. That we didn't need. That we really didn't need. I mean, it was, I'm glad it was shorter than the other match, but again. <sighs> I was not really clamming for a you know a berserker match. I'm yawning. I'm, I'm not even tired. I'm just bored talking about this pay per view already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. I know here. We're, we're getting there, man. I'm we're getting to, there. I tried to make notes of things that other than eliminations that mattered, but really nothing <laughs> does on this. Nothing show. matters about this shit. <laughs> hey, at least we could say at least this is the first one. <laughs> this is the first one. You know, at least all the cards are the cards are relative. I mean, we got the Rumble match and everything, but I think only five matches are on the actual pay per view card for this Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Anyway, and hopefully they aren't as long as this. Hopefully. But then now, Paul, randomly, in the middle of the card, we have not only the first ever WF title match in a Survivor Series, but the first ever singles match in a Survivor and Series. The, the, the main. Heavyweight title matches in the middle of the fucking card. Like, Why? Match, none of the people who are in the main event match are on the bloody poster. The poster is a big, you no know, dark, po- dark, dark background. Yeah, like with funerary with, looking and, thing. With with Hogan and and Taker's faces on it, with the gravest challenge underneath it. Yeah. So you would immediately think, yeah, that's what we're building up to. But then again, you know. I can think I can tell why they do it, and I'll tell you when we get to the end of the match. Not, but not shite, shite, hey. Shite, shite. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you can tell that, like, the Belty Mania with the, at the minute, the proposed match between Hogan and Flair is the, the focus here because the build is not about Taker here. Because they even show you a recap of the funeral father segment, and the majority of it is just a back and forth between Flair. I like the and, funeral father segment when the Undertaker just comes out of that coffin. And, like, it's a good promo from, from Flair, and he's like, oh, how long I waited for this, you know? How long I've had to hear about the twenty-four inch python? It's like, and don't don't be upset about those butterflies you're feeling as you come face to face with the real world champion. Mm. And like, you don't really measure up to the real. I mean, Hogan starts doing several workies. Well, let me tell you. No. And before you can really get into it, like you said, the big coffin mind. Boof, it can't pop no, the Undertaker. Undertaker does us a favour, so we don't have to put up with that shit. Yeah. 
the Macho Man Tiger <laughs> Friday come and Hogan's A with a chair. I think Macho catches Tiger with a chair and Tiger just like, I'm not selling that. No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Ronnie Piper's still there, getting his usual, get him out of here, I'll be your doom shot, well, get him. I think they're building Tiger up as the undefeated Undertaker on TV. He's lost at house shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did like I think he actually there were two main house show like circuits in the US after May seven. One headlined by Hogan Slaughter for the title and the other headlined by Warrior versus Taker. Mm. And apparently the Warrior Taker ones were outdrawing the Hogan one. Yeah. It's weird because like Warrior would sometimes main event uh shows when he wasn't champion, right? And weirdly the ones he would have when he wasn't champion would draw really good. And it seems like when he was drawn as champion they were shit. Yeah. Which is a weird, weird thing for the Warrior. But yeah, Warrior's gone. Sid's injured. Slaughter's never faced. Everything. Roberts has died and thing. Matchman. So basically it's a case of, and we're not ready for the flare thing yet. So, ah, well, Taker, you're there. You're the, you're the only available heel for Big him. heel. And, you know, it's quite, you know, miraculous that he's, he's still able to go after us because it felt, I think at the time looking back, he could have easily been like a built up for the years and undefeated baddie. And then Hogan comes in, squashes him, and that's um, done. Mm. And I do like, you know, it's also weird that, you know, I don't I don't know when it would have been when they started having the lights going as part of his like entrance, but I associate that with the Undertaker's entrance. Yeah. But seeing Undertaker just come out when there's no, all the lights all shining brightly. Oh, and you see, that, that I loved, because you see, you know I always tell you, <laughs> but when I was a little kid, uh-huh. I used to always see Hogan and all these great theatrics and shit. Ah, he's really cool. <laughs> the minute I saw that Survivor Series, mm-hmm. that's when it started to change for me. Mm-hmm. That's why it's nostalgic for me, because at that point I was starting to grow up. And I, I was about, like, I think I might have been six or seven at the time. Uh-huh. No, I'd been seven in 91. But at that point, I was starting to get tired of Mr. Ripshot. <laughs> Even at seven years old. Even at seven, I was starting to get tired of that funny. And and then this big ominous creepy fucker in the black comes out mm-hmm. with a gravelly voice and the ominous oh my Christ he might be dead mm-hmm. look and I thought he is way cooler than that cunt <laughs> and that was when the change started to happen you know that's when I went from kiddie Yay, red, white, and blue, America, even though I'm not American, but look how cool I think, he is. I think that's how, how, probably how, maybe it's, it's just a year for everything, or maybe it's because, you know, uh, for, for us in the UK, maybe the whole, there's only so much of the yay America you can really stand. Yeah, but, but that No point, offense to any Americans no, here, but, but, you know, it's, it's different cultures. Well, it's yeah. the whole, like, I don't know if it's, like, me maturing, yeah. whatever, but, like, seven, I was getting tired of the cartoony pish. <laughs> You know what I mean? And The Undertaker didn't seem cartoonish to me. He seemed scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that, seeing that entrance with the, all the theatrical uh-huh. shit, see, so just seeing this big, mm-hmm. ominous-looking cunt in his big coat with his grey gloves, with his scary wee manager, <laughs> and he just somberness walking into the ring with that bell ringing. Mm-hmm. Loved it so much. And when he beat that motherfucker, I loved it. So much. <laughs> like, see that bit during the match when Taker's got the baldy old dick in the fucking corner and he's, you know, mm-hmm. squeezing his fucking face. Mm-hmm. Even then, I'm sitting there going, fucking go get him. <laughs> I, I think I actually skipped over a bit here where, uh, where uh, Jake Roberts gets to uh, give his response to 
Hey, Mark Matchman yeah, because he, yeah. he comes out to his, his music service with the Trust Me. Yeah, I love that music. It comes out and uh, and clearly a, a, a Christmassy jumper that his nan gave him, clearly, because <laughs> God, what was this he was wearing? <laughs> I don't think he cared, though. No, yeah, no, I don't think he I don't think he did. But, you know... Mean Gene Oakland gave his best, mm-hmm. you know, Mean Gene Oakland garbage like he used to give. Yeah, and he, he basically saying like, yo... Basically, the whole crux of it is, you know, he doesn't really feel bad. Yeah, he's like, what happened to Macho Man? Fucking mean Gene, don't you feel terrible? And he's like, nah, <laughs> really? Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him, Andy, squealy wife. I'm sure I made put it down my notes when Jake Roberts came out, but I cannot find it anyway. Ah, well. But Less we have to cover of this pay per view. <laughs> anyway, we go into the match, and you know, I I think I talked about it all in the <laughs> the, uh, the King of the Ring '93 show, like with the uh, the loss to Yokozuna. But the structure of the match, I did a third of the time. I think that it was you know typical Hogan fair all the time, you know, getting dominated so much, and then oh, the Hulk up from you. <laughs> but this is even more typical. Hogan fair completely no sell in a, a fucking tombstone mm, well he, he comes out you got Hogan guy in the crowd yeah Hogan guy he's always I liked him more than I liked Hogan well, I was going to say this is the second time in a row Hogan's lost in a big title match and we've seen him there, him there. I think as much as you love Hogan mate stop coming to shows you're a bad you're a jinx to the man <laughs> you're fucking you're, you're cursing Hogan every time he shows up you lose <laughs> no, every time you shows up he loses yeah, yeah. well you lose as well because you wasted your money to see Hogan lose <laughs> but but he, I don't see that as a waste of money. But like he, there were still fair amount of cheers for Hogan. But also by the Rumble, they were going to they were going to start being some booze because when Hogan when Hogan loses, there are some people who do pop here. Yeah. Uh, so you know it's not quietly turned against Hogan, but there were quite there is well off pro Hogan here. There was a good few people that were turning seven. <laughs> <laughs> Not just seven year olds who were turning against because like they they also like the the pants you're right in front of waiting young kids when Taker's coming out because it's like Taker being the scary like he's mm. coming to get you. There was one there was one when it was early Wayne was wearing Hogan shit, <laughs> but he was looking at Undertaker and he had that look on his face like I had at the time. <laughs> was like there was one of you I think had a Hogan thing on. He's like his mum's having to shield him away because he's getting all upset. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, your classic Kevin Bridges are on there. Toughen up, you wee prick. Aye, toughen up. Pussy ass bitch. Well, like, Hogan, I do like, oh, as much as people moan about him for his nose and everything, he does tell, like, he's very hesitant to kind of approach Taker. He just, Taker's stunned in the ring. Look at all Hogan moving around and kind of mm. like, okay, well, how do I approach this? Cause how, can I, how can I lose this match and still look good? Like, because, mm. you know, because they built him up as somebody who is not impervious to pain, but, like, Monsoon's very pro-Hogan, as you would think, of the faith, and also the Monsoon, not he didn't declare in the, this is going to be the death of Hulkamania, mm. everything, like, oh, nobody's impervious to pain, everybody has their limits and everything, uh, and so, basically, he goes to Hogan, Hogan actually leaves his ring at one point, and one's Heenan's all over, like, look at him, he's a coward, he's a coward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does his thing where he does a choke in the corner with his eyes kind of rolling oh, know, back and everything. And at one point when Hogan's down and Sager's kind of like intimidating the referee because he's trying to break it up, uh, your buddy Paul Bear getting in some shots on, uh, on Sager. <laughs> no, no, Hogan. Bit where he strangles him and he's like, rest <laughs> in peace, Hulk Hogan. Like, ah. I know, yeah, he's really like, rest in peace. He's <laughs> 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 And like, they even like have like Sager one over and slowly but slowly beating up 
Hogan and you know all the while you know Bear's holding up the urn they're talking about the power that he draws yeah. from the urn and everything uh, and like Hogan does start kind of a comeback he's not like fully hulking up yet but he's like he's I remember like he's trying to slam him he can't pick him up nope. which is really a bit of a because he slammed Andre and people bigger than Taker but you know and then like he's trying to close him he can't knock him his feet and the third time he goes to the road Taker just bounces off the other side just dies with a clothesline which you know, he talked about the things that he could probably do more, but he, but he was kind of totally, like, moving slowly, methodically, and then just out of nowhere doing that flying clothes thing. I know. Or, like, going up to the but top. But see, that made it look even better. Look, it made it more impressive. Or, like, when he was just showing his agility, like, a guy, like, near seven foot, walking along the, t- the top rope for the old school, or mm. as it would be back then, school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or as OSW have called it when they talk about 90s Taker, primary school. But preschool. <laughs> well, OSW call it the primary school when they talk right. about, like, old Taker. <laughs> but then uh, he does. He does like knock. He does knock. What <laughs> the learning tree? <laughs> he does knock. Tigger to the outside, but Tigger also lands on his feet. Yeah. Tigger gets him up. Tombstone. Boop. Oh, Hogan back up again. Baldy old cunt. I know. No selling. He would do the same to Vader. To Vader's like Vader bomb in '95 mm. WCW. But, but uh, you know why he did that? because well, he's a prick. Cunt. Yes, and we, we talked in depth about why he's a prick on the King of the Ring review. We did. And, you know, you 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 made me like Bret Hart on that one. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, don't never, know how I to... never thought that would happen, but there you go. Anyway, well, we get to see Bret wrestle in a singles match on the next show. <sighs> I'm sure it'll be a good one. But anyway, you got you got Hogan getting up as soon as that happens. He's riling the crowd. He's going like that. You Come on. Yeah. Look. See how much I just know so that and ruined the order of his move, see? <laughs> and then he, he started inviting him back and everything, and that's just as he's starting the whole Hulk up and everything. Then out comes Ric Flair mm-hmm. to ringside, and then Hogan's getting into it with him, and then Paul Bear's trying to get up on the apron, and it, Hogan, I think, does lay his hand on Flair, and then he knocks Bear off the apron, and the referee gets distracted by that, which gives Taken enough time to recover, gives like a throat punch to Hogan. Lifts him up with a game of a tombstone where he's not even fully got him like here in his neck everything, he's got him on the side. And Flair puts a chair down and he tombstones him on the chair in big air quotes. Where no. Really, it's all of Taker's knees taking the impact I on I was about the... to say, did you see it yourself? Hogan's head was here. Yeah. Hogan's head like had. It... Do... Above, like, above Taker's knees, yeah. basically. Hogan's head had at least a head and shoulder space between the chair and his fucking head. Like, even the tombstone that he no-sells, his head doesn't even come close to the matter if you watch it no, back. Because that's one thing that Mark... Uh, what's his Calloway. Name? Mark Calloway, that's one thing he always prided himself on, was mm-hmm. being safe. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was always safe as fuck in that ring. Well, he's, he's come up with an old, you know, the old-school kind of mentality of things, and like, he even said like when he had to go through on this like circuit of interviews... Like he said when he did that episode of Hot Ones, which I remember I watched back. Yeah. He said, like, I still feel weird about it now because, like, every so often now that I'm trying to be, like, pulling back the curtain for the last ride and everything, I'm still, the old school behind part of me, the back of my brain says to me, oh, maybe you shouldn't say that or anything. But he has this mentality, and I think part of that is, like, you saying being safe. But Tombstone on the chair. Mm. Uh, one, two, three. Undertaker wins his first of four WWE titles, and in total seven World says he would be a three-time world heavyweight champion. His first of four WWE titles? Yes. WWE, uh, well, well, he would be a WWF and WWE champion. Yes. I'm just saying. You'd, you'd hold it in both iterations. Thank you for mentioning that point. He, d- oh, he does. Never saying. forget the WWF. I'm not, I'm not forgetting <laughs> the WWF, but people know what I mean. It's the same fucking company. 
No, I just don't like to hear that. Okay. Anyway, you would win obviously this title four times and the uh I'll go to one. Yeah, that you world table to. We like you would hold every t- like all but three of these four reigns would be the windy. You would never hold the big attitude era version, and mm-hmm. then you would hold like the newly undisputed version of it, which was interesting. Did he never hold the attitude era big eagle? No, not the big eagle. No, oh, I thought he had once. I no, no. I think I said Ministry Taker would have held big eagle. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, never mind. I'm talking at my house. Yeah, anywho, anyway, but. Uh, so to hear when there is a pop and Heenan is just loving on he calls yeah. for the rest of you like yeah, he's yelling top he's like Hulkamania is dead he is dead long live the Undertaker that's what I was like in my head at the time <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you have Bill Bear like yeah so the air and everything and Taker's kind of dragging it almost like don't know in the ring and everything and uh, oh bro I and you know why they don't. Uh, have this main event for two reasons. One, because oh, all little Hulkamaniacs would be upset if they ended the pay per view like this, and also because they need to have extra pay per view time after the match so that they can announce the rematch for when oh, it's Tuesday in Texas. When Tuesday, where Texas on paper? Oh, I know. At one point they say oh, like they 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 act like they've mentioned already this Tuesday in Texas. They start the show by saying oh, we. We're here to tell, we're going to give you some more information later on. There's maybe a special pay-per-view presentation <laughs> of this thing. Like, oh, maybe if we televise, you'll get to see it. And then later on, I think before this, they'll say, oh, you can actually see it on the same pay-per-view providers you're, you gave us your money on now. So we said, you'll get to see Macho versus Jake. And then later on, they go, oh, remember, the same, the same pay-per-view provider. Give us your money again. You'll get to see the rematch. So basically, Survival Series 91 is an advert for this Tuesday in Texas, basically. <laughs> yes, it was an email made to, I remember I'd watched the OSW episode on Survivor Series 91 before I'd seen the review and he gave out about it, about being an advert and everything, how often they say the words this Tuesday in Texas. Mm. But watching it back, they were fucking right, they were justified in, in their opinions because that's what it is. And I mean, just as well having the wrestlers come out wearing fucking badges for it. And like, oh, they really play this fucking thick with Hogan line there. Let's just know, because if we go into this too much, it'll annoy me and it'll put me up my floor, but do you know what? I, Hogan I, is a cunt. I have to say this bit, though, because Hogan's there clearly talking to him, because like, we all know the stories right. of him, how he tried to, not even just afterwards, to, to Taker and Taker talk about either. He wrote it in his fucking book, that claimed that, that Hogan, that not uh, that Taker, hurt his neck. Aye, so he didn't he. Aye. So he didn't Hurt his own knees more than hurt your neck, you prick. But, hey, Hogan. You're a dick. <laughs> He's probably, he wouldn't be and if he was, he'd turn it off by now. Mm. Aye, because because we're being mean about him. He like he gets like dropped and like he and then once in I'm sure he was told to say this, but for fuck's sake, mm-hmm. he says that Hogan went to visit some football player who is now paralysed. Like and Hogan went to visit him. He's a big Hogan, and now oh after that tombstone on the chair, the devil in me contact. What what could the status be of Hogan? Could Hogan be paralysed? Like no. He clearly isn't. He walks out on his own accord. But he sure hams it up. Oh, yes. Hams it up, Royal, because do you know why? Well, he has to ham it up so when he gets backstage, he can go, oh, he really hurt my neck. He, like, people want them hanging around after Warriors win. This is worse. Because, mm-hmm. like, after this, all the talk is about but, what's Hogan's decision? Is, what's the decision going to be from Jack Tunney? There's very little talk of The Undertaker but, after see, this. see, this is worse because this is Hulk Hogan's fucking politics in motion. Yes. Like, the minute that fucking three count was counted, mm-hmm. you could see him 
You mm. could see him fucking politicking before he even stood up. Yep. He's a cunt. Absolute cunt. Absolute cunt. It basically ruined what could have been The Undertaker's crown and achievement in his first title match. You want, well, I know, uh, 12 minutes 45, by the way, this went. Do you want to hear some, uh, some uh, interesting stats to kind of take us our mind off this and make us feel a bit better? Yes, yes, I do. At age 26, at this time, uh, at this point, Undertaker very briefly became the youngest WWF champion at this point. That's awesome. Would let her be Yokozuna after him, and The Rock after him, and then Brock Lesnar. Cool. Uh, and this is the first WWF title match at 30, so I think they wanted to have a title change as it's the first ever to make you go, oh my god, it changed. Yeah. First time ever. Obviously, uh, this then they would become more regularly doing a title defence on uh, Survivor Series, right? After this. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Bret Hart would retain the title next year over Sean. In uh, 93, Yokozuna wouldn't defend the title. He'd be in a a, five, a four on four Survivor Series match as champion. But going after that, they'd have been six straight years of title teams at Survivor Series after this. Wow. We had uh, Backlund in 94, mm-hmm. Bret in 95, Sid in 96, Sean in 97, and some sort of screw job. You might have heard of it. <laughs> The Rock in 98 and The Big Show in 99. So after Bret retains it the following year, they won't have a successful WF title defence until Kurt Angle in 2000. Ironically, over The Undertaker. (laughs) Bizarre, isn't it? That does make me feel better. (laughs) Talking about statistics is better than talking about Hulk Hogan being a cunt. Statistics are fun. They teach you things. The more you know. And learning is half the battle. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Now we get just this barrage of backstage interviews ah, yeah. and promos. Piper yells out and talks a lot of shit. Yells about uh, Hogan, Hogan, what happened to him. He calls Taker and Adam's family reject, and then he says something about Flair and everything. But like he's spitting and yelling, I couldn't make it. Yeah, yeah, saying. just being being old sniffy, sniffy Piper. Cut, cuts to Mister Perfect Dan Flair is Flair's only really losing the voice, but still gets a better promo than half these guys. Oh, I, I, mean, I talk about like oh, it was nothing. It was a perfect moment and everything. Like Hogan's now lost the tail. He's no longer the world champion. This is the real world champion, and and. Uh, so like, what did you think was going to happen, you know? <laughs> when I arrived here in the WAF and I came face to face, I told you this would happen. And Jack Denny, you chose to blur my belt. And he's like, and, and Flair laughs, goes, oh, they said Hogan's immortal. And he just, Flair's over like, immortal? He's on his way to the hospital right now. <laughs> and you know where the WAF tale is? It's in the coffin of Hulkamania. <laughs> and then he just takes a rub and he's going on. And they're like, let's go. And he's walking out with, 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 with Perry. goes, whoop. And he's like, whoa. Mm. And then they throw it back to Mean Gene, who was just talking about the Hogan yeah. thing, and before bringing the natural disasters and IRS. And I think somebody else made a joke of this, and it's a joke I've I've used a lot in other podcasts, but I'm going to use it here. Go on. Well, basically, Hogan went to vids, I think, before the show, and went, "Whenever Hulk Hogan is not on screen, everyone should be asking, where is Hulk Hogan?'" People should be thinking, "What might Hulk be doing?" Mm. He's, he's made himself the Pucci of the WWF. Oh, totally. Unfortunately, Hogan did not die on his way back to his own planet. No, no, he did not. I mean, I mean, things might say he did when he left in '83. When he was Hogan's dead. He is never coming back. Hogan's integrity died before he ever stepped in a ring, though. Mm-hmm. So then, you hear that, you bald old cunt? The natural disasters come in. They're yelling about the decision to remove Jake and everything, and how. Yeah. Like, but it's not going to change the outcome. We're still going to win, and. 
I got this one, but oh, we've got the, the keys to win. I'm here to take you in that taxi, boss man. Because I got this, he's a very. I guess it's a very one note gimmick, it's all about tax cheats. Everywhere he goes someone's a tax cheat. Yeah. But he that aside, mm-hmm. Mike Rotunda was actually a pretty good wrestler. Mm-hmm. I thought. And then we go to the faces of uh, that team, you know, the L O D and Boss Man with Sean Mooney. And honestly, couldn't understand a fucking word. Right. I, that one shout, that one shout, that one shout. Tell him how <laughs> Road Warrior Hawk out of these three is the most coherent. That is a terrifying prospect. Yeah. And the only thing that made me snigger in that bit, like I say, was when Sean Mooney was going to start talking about Hogan again. He was going to like, throw it back to Mean Gene. Yeah. But like, I just loved it when Hawk went, Mooney, don't you ever. <laughs> oh, I, I want that to be a legit thing. Like He wasn't meant to like cut him off or he didn't know he could come. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, don't you, don't you dare. Right. <laughs> Animals mumbling and shouting about whatever boss man saying, I never take a payoff and blah blah blah. And right. he, he stumbled, he, he's, he's forgetting, <laughs> he's forgetting what he's meant to say. He's stumbling over his own word. Like, I know. He, is a, he is the eyes, and I've been there before. He's the, he's the eyes of, I'm trying to remember my next line. <laughs> so, boss man, the eyes are the window to the soul, and I can see your soul has forgotten what the fuck you're meant to say. Hey, that was a good promo. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a better promo than fucking boss man. I'm not even... <laughs> and he got paid a lot of money probably to cut that <laughs> shitty promo. I'll get about ten pence in my back pocket. You can stick your ten pence up your ass. Oh fuck you, lad. Your you... promo was shite. You're shite. You're shite. <laughs> Come on. Hey, Hawk. Other than getting interrupted, really compares the heels to a thinking pile of sweat socks, and he's the best promo of the three. So try and work that one out. Yeah. So then they throw back to Jack Tunney uh, down there with Mean Gene and they basically say that they announce they make official the rematch and like, oh, and Mean Gene make, oh, they say, oh, this Tuesday in Texas uh, and it throws back to one saying, like, remember, the same pay-per-view you get this one, you can see a rematch for the WWF title. Like, that's the only reason Taker's whole title reign here is just a shock value thing here. Mm. Wins it for 60 to say, oh, for the first time it's tuned handling severities, first time it was defended, and so, oh, tune into this Tuesday in Texas, because he wouldn't get another title reign until 1997. Seriously? Yeah, 97 when he beat Sid. That's the next time that he gets a title reign. That's fucked up. I mm-hmm. know. He became one of those characters who doesn't need a belt. Yeah, but still... Nice to have one. Yeah. But there we go. That's... Would he at least have title matches? Yeah, he'd have title matches. Like, remember, Rumble 96, he fought Brett. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he fought Brett. He fought Yoko, member at the Rumble. Yeah, so he'd have title matches, but not win titles until 97. No. So he was at least still in the title picture, technically. Yeah, yeah he'd even be in the IC title picture, but he never won that. <laughs> remember, we've covered it on In Your Gap. Aye, but we'll be seeing him win that. I mean, I mean, at one point you think it'd be weird to see him as a tag wrestler, but he and Kane won the tag belts a bunch of times. Mm. Anyway, then we go into how do we bring the mood right back down again? Oh, I know. Let's have the Bushwhackers and the Rockers taking on the Beverly Brothers and the Nasty Boys. I really had to work out. I struggled to figure out which bo- which one's Butch, which one's Luke, which one's Bull, which one's Blake. I worked it out. I think Blake is Blake's the one with the mustache. Ah, I was going to say it was Blake, no, the Tashi one. Blake's the Tashi one, I know that. And Bo's the one who's got a son in NXT now. Bo's the one that looks a bit like the guy from Silence of the Lambs. That's interesting you say that, because you know that. 
his son Von Wagner is in NXT. I swear to you, he's got a look of Manhunter, like dollar hide here. Big creepy looking serial killing bastard. He's got body buried somewhere. Honestly, creepy fucking bastard. Mm. He's shite and all. But seriously, his son, his son's shite and all. Probably because his dad was shite and all. What's the non Tashi one again? Bo. Bo. He looks like the one that goes and rubs the lotion on its skin. There you go. Fucking Van Weiner comes from a family that looks like fucking serial killers. Movie serial Movie killers. Movie serial killers. Based on real people, though. Well, that's Vaguely. based on amalgamations on amalg- of real people. But still real people, though. Yeah, yeah. Amalgamations. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the Bushwhackers. Like, I did double check on Wikipedia. Most reliable sort of information that it was Luke that went out first and not Butch. Ah. That's the only reason I could tell who, who was who in the bushwhackers here. Well, whichever one it is, the way you tell them apart is one of them looks less less stupid than the other one. That does not help me at all. And, might I just say in the part of the bushwhackers, mm-hmm. you didn't know that like, before Vince got his horns on them, mm-hmm, they, they were, were legit psychos in the territories called the sheep herders. Aye, they were like fucking violent. Like, their faces are still you to get through their foreheads all cut up from like when they, they were always bleeding, they were always bleeding in their matches yeah, over like, New Zealand. They were, they were legit mm-hmm. fucking psychos. Uh-huh. I wish I could go on YouTube and find some of their matches before they were the fucking bushwhackers. Uh-huh. And, and then, I, I never get it why Vince... Knowing full well they were legit fucking tough motherfuckers, I never get why he decided to fucking parody them. I don't have an answer for you, though. Like, that's a team that could have been a legit heel tag team champ. Fucking, you know. What's weird is I don't think the Bushwagers were positioned as contenders for the tag team titles. Never were. They were just comedy jobbers. Hmm. It's weird. Um, Well, they were in that weird fucking place. They were... They were pretty much fucking jobbers, but they were always at the top end of the card. Yeah, they, they were there to get the crowd with a bowl. Look at us, let us lick your children. Like, no, stay away yeah. from me. Watch us coming down with this stupid bastard, Jameson. Oh, God, we got that. Till get, like, we got to get through that, the 92 Rumble. And yeah, we've got to get through fucking Jameson. You got the, the genius was out here very briefly, Lanny Poffo, and then he buggered off again. I think his managers again not allowed at ringside. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did raise a point about, uh, about Bear being there and like, oh... No, the the rule was so during Survivor Series matches there to be no match. This is a singles match, yeah. Yeah. Which I like there, but then you go, the heels. The heels were very dominant in this one. Like, kind of like the reverse of the last Survivor Series well, match we looked at. I'm happy about that because I like the nasty boys, and I I was indifferent towards the Beverly Sisters. <laughs> the be- uh, the but nasty boys competent enough in the ring for the time, from what I've heard. Absolute cunts in real life. No nasty cunts, though. They were just they nearly childish. Killed, they nearly killed Ken Shamrock. Why? I don't know. They got into a fight and they fucking put a really solid, like, old-school telephone. They hit him in the back of the head. They nearly fucking killed the guy. Oh, so they were bastards. Aye, they were bastards. One of them slight, one of them mocked hearing, match a man after hearing his death while at a convention. They were also pals with Hogan, so couldn't hang around with cunts. Oh, well. I'm sorry to ruin your, your opinion, your thousand no, opinions no. of the nasty boys, but... Well, I still, as characters, I like them. Aye, that's what I've seen. Wrestlers are w- different from the, the cunts that they are in real life. And, met the point, they took the titles off the Heart Foundation, which gave me jollies. <laughs> mm. oh, I was going to make a helmet joke there, but alright. Any, any time that Bret Hart loses, I'm good with that. You know, I'm really good with that. Anyway, the Bushwhackers make the heels look like fuds, is what I've, which is what I've... Uh, well, I'll put in my note here because they basically just fend off all four heels by themselves before the Rockers even do anything uh, and the Rockers come in with a double drop which is wild impressive team surplus to requirement really the only two teams in that that had any kind of legit you know 
aerial ability with the Rockers and the Beverlies. I know. But you don't really care about the Beverlies. Actually, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rockers be the Beverlies. Nah, that would have been a good match. Uh-huh. Take the nasties and the fucking psychos out there. I know. But that's how I feel about this, this match. Obviously, it was one team who I knew who I knew who was who and one team I didn't. It's another team who I knew who was who and one team I didn't. Mm. But, well, you know, what is it? Well, I know now. Knobs and Sags. And uh, for years, I thought Sags with the blonde hair and, and Knobs with the dark hair, but I'm not the way around. Sags is good. I seen Sags on that. You know that man V Food? Yeah. Well, see when he was getting to. When he was unhealthy and he couldn't yeah. hate himself, and he did Man V Food World? Yeah. Well, who's the dark haired one again? Sags? Yes, no, Sags. Well, Jerry Sags mm-hmm. went and won a food belt because <laughs> he went and won a food challenge on that. <laughs> And he had his tag team partner backing him up. <laughs> you know. Yeah, anyway, let's get into the actual match. The eliminations start coming when they have where which one is it? Uh, Novza as there's a flying clothing off the middle rope to Luke eliminates him, and then the Bellers just tag elimination they eliminate Butch. And I, I've seen like videos of this thing. I don't think they nearly kill people when they do it because they do one where one of them. No, the other guy just drives them down. He's like neck first, like. You're trying to fucking kill the guy here. Well, a lot of the time, like, I've seen the one with the guy, mm-hmm. I think it was the guy getting the move done, mm-hmm. fucked up anyway, because it was a lot like the time when Triple H did the pedigree and that silly prick jumped. Yeah. Same kind of thing, I've seen the Beverly's doing a move to a guy, mm-hmm. that move, mm-hmm. and the silly prick jumped and he got fucking, you know, spiked. I think the only reason the last way you took the belts off the... The hearts is because like they were going to do that thing with the the rockers a few months before that, and then decided to when the rope fucked up they weren't going to do it. Yeah. So I think it would have made the rock, and then they decided, ah, what's no do that? Let's get to the nasties because they wanted somebody to lose the Legion of Doom, and for whatever reason they didn't want to do Heart Foundation v Legion of Doom. Fine. I don't know. Maybe it's because it was a face 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 thing. I don't. Know. <laughs> but then you get Sean getting worked over by the Beverly and everything, but he manages to eliminate Bo Beverly. Uh. And then he eventually gets the tag in Marty, but then Marty gets worked over, and then I think Sags jumps off the top rope, but Marty gets the knees up, gets a hot tag to Sean them. The Rockers are finally running wild, you know, they're at a disadvantage yeah, yeah. the plucky underdogs, and then there's a point where they both Irish whip either Nasty White into Blake Beverly, who's stuck in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And then in amongst it all, Marty picks up Sags, whose feet knocking to Sean, and allows him to stumble back into a roll up from Nobs. Sean gets eliminated and gets into a show match. And, and despite, despite what. Uh... Gorilla Monsoon kept trying to insinuate uh-huh. Sean was pinned. Yes. Sean was counted. Yeah, and like, like you saw, oh, they don't like each other. Like, uh, Bobby Ian said, like, do you not read the magazine? You yeah. know, like, they don't like each other. Well, prima donnas, they don't get along. But I think it's really cool for Shannon because Sean would have that WF magazine. Is there a problem with the Rockers? I don't think so. Now, let's, let's get into a little story, shall we? And I didn't know the full details of the story until I watched a bit of wrestling bio, so credit to him. Is this the serial story? Kind of, yeah. And it's a part of it's taken from Sean's book. See, Marty, you dick. So as the story goes, the Rockers were not getting along in uh, in '91. Was this this Survival Series match before the match which Sean had had against Ric Flair? I don't know. Sean had a match against Ric Flair. Sean had a match against Ric Flair? I don't know. He had a match against Ric Flair, right? And was I think knocked knocked out right. during the match, and Marty came out to mm-hmm. you know help as Marty saw it, and put Sean back in the ring. Mm-hmm. 
which just ultimately led to Flair pinning him. I think it may have been first because if there was already the WF magazine talking about issues with the Rockers, then it probably would have mm. been before this. Then I would maybe like sowing the seeds. But yeah, as the video I was seeing, like giving the info about it, because the video it was from Russell Bowers was talking about the from Rocker to Heartbreaker was in like the beginning of like him going from the Rockers to the what were the early version of the Heartbreak Kids and everything. Yeah, um, but it talks about two major incidents. Apparently, they were out. Getting drunk and all amongst all the wrestlers as they worked on it. Was this the personal thing? Aye, uh, personal thing. Like, and they were all getting drunk and everything as the wrestlers were known to do. Especially the rockers, they were known as kind of the party boys. Yeah, yeah. And Marty Piper, there, he was having a couple of drinks and on. Apparently, he uh, was a bit too for Marty, like, and praising a Sean, like, oh, Sean, you got a lot of talent, you know, I think you could really be the future of the WWE and everything. But it kind of left Marty out of that, and that got Marty all Marty up. got a bit of hump about it. And he tried to, like, legit start a fight between him and, and Sean. Everything. Sean's kind of reluctant. He's like throwing like wild punches. Like, Sean like, was like, "What the fuck's your issue, man? You're supposed to be my boy." Apparently, the story goes that it was broken up between the two by by Piper as Johnson passed out not long after that. <laughs> but apparently, seeing also the fight and everything, Marty supposedly could have been arrested. But of all people, Macho Man stopped them from being arrested. He apparently told the cop, even though Macho Man had just came in when the police were there. Yeah. I didn't actually see how it went down. He said then went. Oh no! It's a part. It's all part of a storyline and everything. Yeah. But at this point, Keefe's still very, very strong. Aye. So Matching Man saved Mario from getting out of jail. That's probably why Mario's had so much trouble in the recent years with the law. No Matching Man around to help him. Marty's having trouble with the law because Marty's a fucking degenerate. <laughs> Let's be honest. Marty's yeah. a washed up psycho old degenerate. But then, like. Even even as recently, like he's putting that lines up these three four white lines saying, "Oh, sugar to start the day and everything." Like, is it sugar is actually cooking? Like, Marty, get some fucking help. Mate. Yeah, it's I mean the sad. guy the guy wants to fuck his own daughter for fuck's sake. That's not a normal man. Yeah, we we talked about Marty enough on this show. Yeah. But like, so like the issue was they were doing these photo shoots for a WF cereal box and everything, yeah. and apparently Marty found out that the Rockers were each getting paid twenty five hundred for each for this uh, cereal box, whereas the Road Warriors are getting five thousand each. Two and a half grand each for doing cereal. It's for pretty good. For posing and getting their picture on a cereal box. Like, yeah. Why are you bitching? You're getting two and a half grand for getting your fit fucking picture taken. Like, they're still getting featured on pay so pay view buys and royalties for being on a bit of WWE branding merchandise. Yeah, that's that big, is that's not big money. That's your big paydays right yeah, there. And if Marty had he been bitching like a fucking fiend, maybe the Rockles could have continued a bit longer. So, supposedly he says to the office that he wants to kind of. You know, he wants to... Uh, he, he, his idea was pay us the same as them or let us go. And he wanted to put into the office. He said, oh, I've been on the phone to Mag and T down there. So they're willing to pay us uh, more than what we're being, currently being made in the WWF. And apparently Sean was said, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to, but really, in the back of his mind, didn't really mean it. And he got more and more cold feet until he phoned Vince. Or he was going to phone Vince, but Vince phoned him first. Yeah. And Vince said, oh, I'm really sorry, Sean, that you're leaving, you know, like, I can't afford to pay you guys the same as Rowers, but we really just wanted to get you guys some exposure by featuring you on this cereal yeah, box. Yeah. And apparently, he, apparently Vince said to him, because clearly Vince already saw that Sean was more of value, he said, well, you know, I'm, you know you're free to go to WCW if you wish, but like, when the tag team with Marty fizzles out, we'll, we'll always welcome you back here as a singles guy. Mm. And then Sean did make... even Vince knew, because Vince is saying when the tag team fizzles out, because he knew Marty wasn't going to have any real longevity. So then Sean goes back to Marty and presses him a bit more about the thousand thing, and it turns out 
Marty had not been in contact yeah. with MT. He'd been in contact with Joey Mags, who had no position to be making offers. Yeah, so, so they'd like, just been bullshitting Sean. So then Sean phones Madden TA, it does make them an offer, but it's for far less yeah. than what Marty had said. And so Sean basically chewed out Marty, like, I put my fucking career in jeopardy just because of you, you fucking... Yeah, bitch. you like, fucking... You're supposed to be my fucking partner, and you come back bullshitting me about this. I said, I wanted to... Like, I want to go back to the event, I'm going to take him off when he's over, be a singles guy. You know what, if you want, you should come back with me so at least we can do a, a proper breakup. You're the good guy, me's the bad guy, but we're fucking like, done nah, like, as a team. Personally, Sean was yeah. like, fuck you, trying to fuck my career. Eventually, he does come back, and I've got these uh, this quotes. It's a bit of a long one here from uh, from Sean's book, Heartbreaking Triumph. It's a full, oh, right. the, the picture on the cover of the thing is him climbing like a ladder. Going yeah, like yeah I've, seen, I've seen his, his glorious book. Right. Let's see here, it's a bit of a long one, so bear with me. <clears throat> Marty was not happy about the split. He slanted the story of what happened so that I was the bad guy. He told people that I said we would stick together on this. That was true, but he never told me that he was going to give Vince an ultimatum. I believe in it. I believe anyone in my position would have done the same thing I did. This was my first major decision, and I was made to feel bad about it. Everybody believed I had dumped Marty and acted like a scumbag. It wasn't true, and it hurt to be labelled the bad guy. The Rockers had travelled many miles together over the years. There was always a touch of sadness when our relationship ends. However, it was time to move on. I was eager to start a whole new chapter in my career. Good on you. So that's taken right, right, right from the Sean's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right from the heartbreak gub. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And uh, so then Marty tries his best three on one, but inevitably he gets being like, because like Beverly distracts the uh, every shot. Marty gets a roll of a small package on side. Nels comes over. There's a classic rollover, ref comes back. One, two, three. Did Did you notice during the count, mm-hmm. Marty grabbed the rope? I think he did. Oh, actually, I don't think he grabbed the rope. I think... Give no, the cam- he, he oh, no, give, give him the camera. I think he grabbed the... As I'd say, let's go, he grabs the rope to make it seem like he grabbed the rope. No, he, he did I, I don't mean, grab the rope. No, I think he... For, to me, it looked like he was meant to grab the rope, couldn't grab the rope, and grabbed it afterwards to try and save the spot. Mm. I think Marty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, that's Marty. Marty fucked up, man. <laughs> well, there we go. That's the uh, that's that match. The Orkers are already on their way to dissension. Yeah, already. and then and then eventually we'd get that glorious barbershop moment when Sean <laughs> kicks his dumb hillbilly <laughs> daughter's fucking ass uh, through <laughs> a window. Yeah. Is there anything else happened between this and? Uh, this and the next match because I can't remember anything. Maybe it's just then more pandering about fucking Tuesday. Mel Hogan pandering, Mel pandering towards Tuesday in Texas. But then we get the last match. Yeah, which I put in my notes. Good God, why is this the last match? No, yeah, the last match was uh, the three on three, wasn't it? Yes, which was meant to have Jake on the heel side, Sid on the face side. Yeah, it was a natural disaster. And the IRS on the heel side, the Road Warriors and Big Boss Man on the face side. Yeah. I mean, I say, like, oh, God, why is this main event? You know, the IRS in the main event. But, like, you know... The IRS was the most competent wrestler in that match. But then, very fair, the Road Warriors were over, you know, there's the phrase, the Road Warrior pop for the reason, everything. So, you know, fair dues to them and everything. But And the the guys did their best to try and make a Mm. solid match out of this. But this, by all rights... Should not have been the main event. But IRS sweating like a fat man in a cake shop. Right. I mean, he does he does his best to kind of uh, be like... Uh, he does his best to wrestle in that kind of attack. It can be quite good, probably wrestling in that kind of shirt and tie. Yeah. It's all 
thing. Like, there's a point where he tries to drag him to stand on his tie. I know, I know. Stop him getting it. But then there's a really cool, like, first bit scene between Boss Man and Boss Man and, and Myers, and which it looks better than it should be. Like, Boss Man for his size, he's deceptively small, uh, taller than he. He no, he was very big. He was very big. I think he was made to look bigger, like size-wise. You see his real size when he goes to WCW more so than the WWF. But he does a move that Baron Corbin would adopt, where he slides out the ring, goes around the ring post, back in the other side, which I was like, yeah, always a killing spot. But uh, eventually, it was eventually the earthquake tags in. He goes, "I want, I want animal and everything." The crowd are going absolutely fucking yeah. mental. See, like, oh. Big big man, as big as a big man, slapping me. Big man, fight! <laughs> and he picks up a animal, just does like a big backbreaker. And mm. Earthquake, still late 20s, by the way. Just remember that when you see him. Late 20s? Late 20s. He was only in his 40s when he died. Oh. Yes. He basically he goes for a split, but an animal moves out of the way, and then things start, like, uh, I think it was IRS or whatever, one of the heels is stuck in the face corner, and the Heels are distracted by the rep, and then the, the faces uncaritically try to get two shots, and you get to see more of the classic boss man punches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but then, unfortunately, it falls apart for the faces as behind the rest of the back, because Earthquake is facing off with the award on the outside. Typhoon slides uh, IRS's briefcase and smacks uh, boss man over the head with it, and uh, boss man is out of it, so now it's three on two and the, against the Roars, but... I'll be honest with you, if you're hearing the stories of the Road Warriors, even if it was in real life 3 on 2, you still get the Road Warriors the advantage. Yeah. Given the stories about those guys. But uh, the heels, unfortunately, try it, try the same one again. But unfortunately, it backfires because uh, Typhoon gets twatted with the briefcase. Yeah. Can't remember if it's Animal or Hawk that pins him. But Typhoon goes out, Earthquake is furious at IRS and says, fuck this, gets himself counted out and wanders the back with a. Uh, with with Typhoon yeah with Typhoon I get why th- these teams by the way because like going forward in the 92 it would be a feud between the natural disasters and the uh, ALD for the belts and everything so it does feel like it's such a weird fit out IRS and the boss man it just doesn't yeah yeah I, I just don't know what you really say about that <laughs> just trying to claim that he's taking a payoff like uh, the boss man takes payoffs but the whole thing in turn and face was he didn't want to take a payoff from Ted DiBiase yeah it's his whole gimmick he's he's a law man he's our times and all that crap he's a fud but anywho but now it's two on one against IRS IRS gets a bit but Lenny doesn't want to do it anymore so he goes to leave and then out comes the boss out man out comes the boss man with his big stick going you go back to that ring well, well it's any song he carries a big stick but it's you know ball and chain too so you know, false advertising <laughs> but then this show was famous for that isn't it? yeah <laughs> and then he's in the back and then he gets pulled back in the ring and you know they used to say the road words if a well, with the exception of the time they couldn't do it in 90, SummerSlam 92 because Hawk was too fucked. But like, if ever you saw them win a match without the uh, Doomsday device, because probably some the guy who was meant to take it didn't want to take it. Yeah. And so I'm assuming IRS probably wisely didn't want to take the Doomsday device because he comes back in, gets a slam from Animal, then gets back up and Hawk does his flying clothes like just from the top on a standing IRS yeah. not off Animal's shoulders. And Hawk pins IRS for the LOD stand. So, which, you know, again, I don't. Know why I don't feel like this should be invented when you have the first ever singles match for the title. But this match, other than the world title match, I think was one of the best matches on oh, the yeah, yeah. the world this, title match and that match. Yeah, this is better, little face, better than it has any right to be because I think by this point in the show I had very low expectations. So, yeah, the fact that the road wars were actually over and they all the played into it really actually helped 
play into my enjoyment of this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Road Warriors, I'll celebrate everything. Then I put my notes, Sean Mooney tells us nothing about Hogan. <laughs> because, like, he says that he's fit and he's, like, well, he's, like, getting, but he's feeling better and he's going to be in two in Texas. And, like, uh, he says, oh, like, I'm trying to get some comment. I want to bring Hogan on camera. He says, brother, tell me, brother, I'm going to do my talking in the ring. No, you'll do your talking in Vince's office, bitching. I was going to say, do you want to bet he has a promo on this Tuesday in Texas? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I want to do my talking in the ring, but also backstage, only on Tuesday in Texas. Once you pay just your money, give us your money. <laughs> and then he comes back to Gorilla and Gorilla and Heenan, and uh, Heenan gets annoyed because Monson's getting down his attitude, but he's annoyed he's not getting his. He picks up his wee phone that he's got mm. on his desk and everything, and they go back, and uh, it's a weird interview. We have been doing I am here in the catacombs of the arena, <laughs> and I've managed to locate Paul Bear and the new World Wrestling Federation champion, and the Undertaker. The first interview with the new champion three matches after he fucking wins. The only real person talking about Taker is Heenan. It's basically going to him because, like, Heenan, the Pete Monsoon's put an actress against this ring, like, oh, it took three men to beat Hulk Hogan, and, like, fucking Monsoon, I like you, but get your nose out of Hogan's arse for a second. None of them could, then. <laughs> None of them could, especially fucking Gene Okerlund, that fuck. Anyway, just and, uh, oh, and <laughs> well, we're like, oh, Mr. Okerlund. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what happens when you ha- when someone dies? You have the funeral service very soon after. <laughs> so we're going to have it this Tuesday in Texas. And he talked about an embalming fluid. He goes, oh, yes. Yeah, it's and, like, and the flesh will be gone. Oh, it's dangerous. <laughs> And you got you got looming Taker goes, We told you what would happen mm-hmm. and he goes, Want you to look in the coffin and he like he opens the coffin and uh they look inside and he has this horrified yeah. you don't see what it is, it's just a camera like he looks in, Oh my god, another camera yeah. <laughs> But I just love the Undertaker the and he's like I thought he was gonna say all that's left is he thought he was gonna do like is to rest in peace with all that's left is for the burial and I'm like it's it's always I rather say it's the burial of Hulk Hogan in funeral terms legit like for the very like no Hager I feel already it is you who will be buried this mm. Tuesday in Texas quite literally but now we have come mercifully to, to the, the end. end yes. So Paul, we have our rating system. You know, two thumbs down, one thumb down, thumb in the middle, thumbs up. Two thumbs up. It's definitely not any of the thumbs up. But I, where is it I will say middling to down. I am I'm inclined to agree with you. The only thing keeping in the middle is that main event and the fact that, especially for historical significance, I like seeing Hogan, eh, Hogan get... I like seeing Taker win. Yeah, yeah. I like, like seeing that. So, yeah, but it's very... It's dying on. This is very much... Uh, yeah, for the historical, you know, notes uh-huh. and things like that that would lead from it... Uh-huh. It gets a medal. It's it. But for for the strength of the actual, so for the strength of Survivor Series... An actual, yeah. No. No. Because I would say, quite honestly, the Survivor Series of next year, mm-hmm. that's great. Uh-huh. I like that fucking Survivor I love Survivor Series 92. But that Survivor Series is very poor. It is very poor. And, like, because this is like the big four. They're not called the big four, but you have your four... I know yeah, you're interested in this you two days, but you, have, you, have your, you only have your you only have four pay per views like, really a year. So you really gotta go all out on these. And you say, Oh, we're gonna another one and we've chosen to do it a week later. 
So let's let's you know go all out and promote that at the expense of this show. Yeah, let's at the expense of the Survivor Series and what could have been the Undertaker's current achievement as his first title. Yep. Let's just do it as a fucking major advertisement for the match where Hogan will ultimately politic his way back to the title. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. We should. Have, I'm trying to think. We should have na- given a name to this series, this three part series. I don't have a name. I'm just putting it under from the vault. But I wonder if there should be another name for this. But I can't think of one that would tie them all together. Titles, politics, and pish. That's really good, actually. There you yeah, go. That's really good. Titles, there politics, you go. That's, and that's pish. The but part two of uh, from the vault. Titles, politics, and pish, which will <laughs> come uh, later in December. Will be this two in Texas. Paul, is it fair to say on the show that uh, you know? Expectations are not necessarily high, are they? No. no. No, they are not. No, I don't have high expectations either. Uh, I have some interesting weird notes about the show itself, which we'll get to next time. Yeah. Which I look forward to going in some detail about. But, you know, again, expectations are a bit low. I'm hoping the cider we intend to drink will make it better. It, it, hopefully it will, <laughs> yeah. And we're going to bring you that, and in the coming weeks we're going to just try and get you know, as close together as we can to... Uh, to record and stuff, so you have plenty of stuff over the December period before we reconvene last back in tu- January. Last Tuesday in Texas is starting to feel like one of those punishment pods we have to do. <laughs> and, and we haven't even done it yet. We, we chose to do this, by the way. We, just, <laughs> we chose this. We but, brought it on ourselves. But, but Paul, think, think ahead. The rumble. We got the rumble. Yes. Even though Jameson's on it, we've still got the rumble. We've got the crowd legitimately booing Hogan so much we tried to edit it. Oh, oh, and we got the I remember, Oh yeah. Okay, I mentioned Keo Leo and Jake Express are on the Rumble night to the 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 new foundation. Yeah, the new foundation. <laughs> and they're very weird out attire for the nineties. Hey, there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but like I said, through December we're gonna bring you that, we're gonna bring you at some point. We can't tell you which week we're trying the same schedule, but we're gonna go back to Fraser. Uh, it's been a long time, so we're eventually going to we're both going to try and catch up on our impact on the turning point and everything. The build to Hard to Kill looks very interesting. Wrestle House is back. Yay. Oh, hilarity challenge to match time. I don't think he'll be around again. If we only could have kept these moves shut. I know. Silly. Old I know you're bastard. a fanboy, but you know. Some, but even your heroes shouldn't be going and flashing themselves to women no. on planes. It will mean heroes. Nobody should be fucking dead. Well, nobody. I know, especially no him. So don't, right. don't be defending them. Don't be the de- don't be defending the dirty old flashing man. But also, we're at some point that we're going to do our division rich bit of which I've just, I've realised now. I think about it. May have to be more than one part. Even it might be too aspirational to do it in one. Two of the greatest legends in wrestling history. One's a politic and cunt, and the other one's a dirty old man. Yep, that's that. Is unfortunately the way of things yeah. in wrestling. Well, you know. Uh, but, Paul, as like I said, come to the end of it. Uh, are you looking forward to some of those shows that I mentioned that we're going to get to do? I mean, with the, maybe with the exception of this Tuesday in Texas. I am. I'm looking forward to re- recovering the Rumble. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to our impact. Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to the Fraser. So, yeah. apart from the Tuesday in Texas, it all seems like good shit. Because we were going to do, I think we did episodes, if I remember from wrong, five, no, no, five, six, and seven. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go for 8, through 8, 9, 10, maybe try and squeeze 11 in. But I'm pretty sure among those episodes, maybe episode 10, is a Christmas episode, Merry Christmas in Maskowitz. Which, by the way, it's funny because like, we, we, where we do these radio shows, we never have a Christmas episode covering at Christmas. So this is the first thing. With the exception of the time we decide to rank all our is that, specials. Is that Mrs. Mox's one, the one with David Hyde Jesus? Yes, yeah, Jesus! <laughs> 
A man slipped in the shower. Ah, it's your busy time. He slipped in the shower, ironically, for a man. Portraying a man who can walk <laughs> on water. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's some good stuff uh, in there. I'm getting. I'm not, I'm not watching it out in a few weeks, so I'm get, I'm looking forward right. to getting back to I was that. Ju- I was just getting in my head now that bit before it. Jesus! <laughs> Him running with the fucking nasal spray. <laughs> I hope you guys are looking forward to hearing some of that uh, as well. I'm actually thinking of some very interesting matches we can spotlight for the exhibition uh, retrospective. Uh, Paul, we're going to talk about that off air, but to keep up with that, uh, the next part of the season, all everything else we got going into 2022, uh, to keep up with us on the socials, facebook.com forward slash podcast at SB Rambling on Twitter or at Rogan Square Pines, where we're also under, uh, or get me at Scott McCloud1996. And make sure to follow us on all good Android podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, either Rogan Pines for our own feed. Like, give a rating, review on your platform of choice, wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Hell yes. And, you know, you can also, if you want to hear more of me, uh, for whatever reason, I would also do stuff on Rogan Bangs and Eat Sleep Soup Life Retreat. Like, uh, I have a, a chat with myself and uh, ASSR Daniel Campbell with the latest episode of No Rogues Barred on the Rogue Opinions podcasting feed. You have a chat with yourself? No. You said I'll have a chat with myself. No, I didn't. I said, I said, I said Daniel Campbell has a chat with me. Oh, oh. Um, you know, if you're having a chat with yourself, that's something to look into. Yeah, no. <laughs> you tell me, or I show no far where I go through people on podcasts and now I talk to and people on Rogue Opinions. Now, Paul, eventually in the future, will be on a guest on that show. Hurrah. Uh, oh, and Sleep Soup Lights Retreat, I interviewed. Uh, coming out next week, I'll be having an interview with Adam Bivolo, the Attitude Air podcast, a fellow Kane enthusiast, much like myself. That was funny to talk about. Mm. Uh, and also on Rogue Opinions, if you're interested in the retro stuff, uh, also like me and Paul joined Neil and Say Brian on the uh, Insurrection 2000. We yeah, talked about uh-huh. cider, we were so inebriated by the end of that. <laughs> uh, and also, continuing Rogue Opinions, me and Sam, I'll have an episode at some point this weekend uh, as we continue the road towards Judgment Day and uh, the second ever Iron Man match in WWF history. And all sorts going on back in the year 2000. But for now, in the year 2021, as we round out, We've got a lot ahead of us, Paul. We're going to have plenty of cider to feel us through, especially through bloody this Tuesday in Texas. But we hope you enjoyed it. I'm sorry if you were having very strong nostalgic memories of Sveritude now and we've encouraged it. Or if you too are annoyed about the latent advertisement, well, hopefully you enjoyed us ripping into it. And, you know, things will get better when we get to the end of the series. Yes. Maybe. Hopefully. But until uh, next time, uh, from Paul, Ivan Scott. And from Scott, I have been Paul. And we hope you enjoyed our rambling about Survivor Series 1991. See ya.